Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's an honor today to be with uh, the smartest man in the gym business as far as legal issues for tiny gyms with blended clinics in Nevada, in Henderson, at this house, the smartest man alive, Kevin Diamond. How are you, Kevin? Hi, doing okay. Now, Kevin, for those of my listeners who are out there in all parts of the U.S. and the world, can you tell everybody like who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, I grew up in Las Vegas uh, since I was about three years old. Um, I would call myself a gym rat. Um, my father was a bookie, so uh, that kept me coming back to the casinos over and over and over. Uh, I'm now a partner at a law firm called Thorndall Armstrong, Delk, Balkenbush, and Isinger here in Las Vegas. I've been practicing for about 25 years and uh, kind of turned my gym rat status into attorneys for uh, gyms, basically. So I uh, represent some larger uh, clubs and smaller clubs, and some of them, like you say, are blended clubs. Yeah. Well, that's why... That's how I know you is you helped us out with some legal issues along the way. And uh, it was great because we got somebody that seen all the dumbass moves that people make <laughs> in a gym on the large scale. And we got right. to apply that to our tiny little uh, clinic gym hybrid facility here in Henderson, right? Right. If it wasn't for uh, stupid people, I wouldn't have a job, essentially. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, you guys are in for a treat because I know we got a lot of legal issues. And let's maybe establish a little disclaimer. This is not legal advice, although it may be like information, right? Well, it, I mean, it, it could be seen as advice. It just, I would caution people that, uh, you know, I'm from Nevada. I've only practiced in Nevada. So mm-hmm. um, you would always want to check with your state, uh, you know, with, with sure. the and rules the, for each state. Your attorney buddies find out you're doing this for non-billable hours. I mean, it's yeah, over, that's right? That's right. I'm in big trouble. Yeah. So we, we have to, <laughs> you should always find a good attorney because uh, like Kevin was ours, when you have an issue and basically you get to turn it over to the attorney and just say, handle this crazy person, uh, it's it's very relieving to know that that can happen. Yeah, it's always, uh, uh, it's going to sound like a commercial, but it's always good to have an attorney on board, um, even to come take a look around your place before something happens. Last thing you want to do is to have to call an attorney after something happens. Right. And for those of you, hopefully that people here aren't legal experts because they haven't been engaged in a law firm. Kevin works for, say, a big box gym that might have gyms in every state, but they're looking for a local person, right? In, in every right. state, not just Nevada, but in California, they'll have their local people, maybe a few of them. Right, right. And uh, that's because there are certain laws that affect every every state a little bit differently, right? Right. Okay, fantastic. Well, uh, we'll get into some juicy legal advice later, but let's talk first about uh, let's talk crap about people because it's way more fun. But uh, Kevin, you've seen quite a few funny cases along the way of people being complete idiots sometimes. Right, right. And then sometimes where the gym was a complete idiot and they did something wrong. you have any good cases you could share the, the, the nuts and bolts of for people to kind of illustrate maybe uh, where, where things went wrong? How about first uh, a client that did something, sued the gym, and was completely out of bounds on what they did? Uh, well, there, there's certainly a lot of those, but, um, one that comes to mind is a, uh, an elderly woman who was at a swimming pool, uh, right before her aqua class. And, uh, she tripped over one of those noodles, you know, they're neon colored and mm-hmm. there was a, there was a stack of them and she tripped over the entire stack, okay. uh, which, uh, I don't think there's anything that could be more open or more obvious uh, than a stack of uh, neon noodles that she tripped over. So that case went away very, very quickly. Okay. But nonetheless, she sh- she sued and asked for money. Right, right. Yeah, as people seem to do, right? Right. Okay. And, you know, I uh, like I said, I'm not all that familiar with what happens in each state, but if other states are anything like Nevada, there are always some plaintiff attorneys, maybe s- smaller plaintiff attorneys who need to pay the rent. And uh, 
you know, they will take cases that might not be the best in the world and to see if they can develop it into something. And I, I respect that. And I also respect if, if we can show them that perhaps it's not the best case in the world, that then they'll, you know, dismiss it at mm -hmm. that time. So, and it happens all the time, but in the interim, unfortunately, the defense clients, the gyms, the clubs still have to pay, you know, or the, or their insurance companies, depending how mm -hmm. it works, you know, still have to pay their bills and still have to incur fees. So all you can do to keep even the bad cases from happening, you should do. So in that instance, yeah, it was a stupid case. However, the noodles probably shouldn't have been there. It's just, you know, she, she, uh, you know, she tripped over them. She probably should have seen where she was going, but the case wouldn't have even come out if the noodles had been, you know, put away for mm -hmm. the day. All right. Well, and that's how we develop policies and procedures, right? As right. we get sued once for it, we develop a policy, and then we hopefully never get sued again. Right, right. Yeah. That's how it comes well, out. Well, we had one, then I'll just sing your praises, Kevin. We had one where a woman, we were doing a a workout that was kind of like a, you know, indoor little Spartan challenge, you could say, and we're doing some different events and blah, blah, blah. And uh, a woman fell basically on her back. Um, it appeared to me that she let go of the apparatus. She claimed she didn't, but whatever. Um, and the thing was, the, the thing where Kevin really shined was she said, don't worry, I'm not going to sue you. Don't, don't even sweat it. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was my fault, blah, blah, blah. And Kevin's smiling right now for those of you who can't see his face <laughs> because uh, Kevin said, write it down, document it, she's going to sue you. And right. I said, no, 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 like, you don't understand, Kev. Like, she's nice, been a member for you know, a year or two, she loves us. And your response was, yep. document it, she's going to sue you. The, and the people who say they're not going to sue are the most likely. Right. The ones that it's like going to the auto dealer and like, listen, I would never lie to you. Right. I, I'm going to give you an honest deal. Like there's one thing about it. I'm honest. The alarm bells should be going off at that point. Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And sure enough, the statute of limitations is how long on those things? To uh, well, in Nevada, it's two years from the date of an accident. Unless okay. it's a minor, uh, then it's two years after the minor's 18th yeah. birthday. So this happened the week of Thanksgiving. I remember that just out of my mind. And uh, the lady got injured. We she stopped coming to our gym. Uh, never thought about her again after a year. And then the next year in October, mid October, uh, when it's starting to get close to uh, the the statute of limitations, but bam, we get served with a lawsuit. And uh, Kevin, being the nice guy that he is, just smiled and said, "I'll help you out." Yeah. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't do the "I told you so" dance in front of us. I don't know if you did it when you I, walked out of the building. No, I, I didn't do the "I told you so" dance, but I think she realized. Uh, I mean, she threatened it. She and then she didn't bring it. I think she mm -hmm. realized that you folks weren't just gonna. You and your insurance carrier weren't well, just gonna roll over. She asked us to treat her for free. Actually, now that you're bringing that up, I remember that. And you said, "Don't do it. She's gonna sue you anyways." Right. And I said, "Oh no, no, man. This is different. You know, she's she's one of the nice ones, Kev. Don't be so uh, yeah jaded." <laughs> like, there's a reason I'm jaded. That's right. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. So that's one. How about uh, how about a good case where the gym was at fault or, or did something stupid? Somebody didn't repair something or didn't no, get I, a form I, filled out. No, I have a good one. Um, it involved uh, a woman who was uh, a little overweight, and uh, there was a boot camp, and they decided it was nice weather. They decided to do the boot camp outside. Um, and they set up the tires and and whatnot. Um, but one of the parts of the boot camp was uh, box jumps. But instead of putting out uh, the type of uh, apparatus to jump on, which had seals on the bottom or rubber on the bottom so it wouldn't move, they put out um, things to jump on that was just metal on the bottom. So even the best box jumper, if you hit the top, uh, it would still slide a little bit. Uh, this particular uh, woman said that she wasn't comfortable box jumping, and the trainer who was leading the boot camp assured her that she could do it uh, over and over and over instead of giving her a modification. And sure enough, she jumped up. She just missed uh, the jump and uh, fell backwards, put her hand out, and uh, you know broke her wrist pretty significantly. And we 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 paid, uh, and we should have paid, and we did pay. So and. That's not where it ended, though, right? You went back and said, hey, dummy. I yeah. mean, sorry, uh, trainer guy, come here. Yeah, right. Don't, don't do that again. Yeah. yeah. Well, you see a lot of stuff like, I mean, 
you know, you're talking about boot camps, and the, the crazy thing is, like, it's a nightmare scenario, or or you can look at it as a field of diamonds, right? Like, <laughs> you got one one coach, twenty people doing what could be dangerous stuff. Like, you think box jumps, and I've seen a ton of time when the people are like essentially leading with their feet, their feet hit the box, their butt is nowhere near getting the center of gravity over the box, mm-hmm. and now they're basically tipping back, and it's like either this person is going to land on their back and whack their head, which I'm sure has happened a ton, or the box is going to fly out in front of them and maybe get in the way of somebody. There's a ton of stuff. I was right. here's one for you. I was at a CrossFit one time. We were doing sledgehammer. You know, you have big tire. You got a sledgehammer. Bang, bang, bang. And I'm slamming this thing. And guy across from me slamming the thing. And we're beating the hell out of this tractor tire. And all of a sudden, he hits, and the head of the sledgehammer comes off. Oh my gosh! And flies uh, <laughs> maybe 12 inches by my face. Um, and you wouldn't notice if it hit me. I'm not that good looking anyway. So, <laughs> but it flies back, and I don't know where it goes because it just goes behind me. But I was thinking. Hell, if that thing had hit the person across from you, I mean, it's got some, right? It's got some heft to it. It's now right. under it's super fast, and uh, the best part was, you know, it, you're in the middle of workout, Brosif. Like you can't mm-hmm. stop. So he just like looks at the coach, and the coach just says, "Grab a dumbbell and hit it with that." And and yeah. I, you know, yep. Class a- ends, and we grab the head of the sledgehammer. Like, oh, I guess we need to fix this. No thought to, holy shit, we could die. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean. Certainly, you know, you don't have time, especially if you're running a club and if you're a, what I would call a mom and pop club, um, you know, you don't have time to, to do four hours of inspections of every piece of equipment every day, but you should at, at the very least think through what, you know, what the routine's going to be for that day or what your equipment looks like. You know, the, the more you can do to try to prevent, the, the better off you'll be. And so many people, that's, between legal issues and advertising, I would say, is always at the end of your list when you're trying to set up a new club. Um, I don't know much about advertising, but I know that, at least from my standpoint, legal issues should be thrown a little higher because it could it could ruin you. I mean, you know, you could have to close your whole place if you're a mom and pop. And, you, and if, like the, the example you gave about the woman who fell onto her back, I mean, luckily... Um, because I recall the, I recall you telling us about telling me about the incident. Somebody kind of partially caught her on the way down. But mm-hmm. if there was no one under her, let's say someone was doing it, and because she fell from about how high you think it was, uh, probably eight, seven feet. Right. I mean, her body was at seven feet, and you know, not yeah. yeah so, like, so if no, so you guys at least were smart enough to have spotters underneath. Mm-hmm. But if you hadn't had spotters underneath, and she fell straight from seven feet down, I mean. It could have closed your gym. I yeah, mean, you know. And luckily, there were uh, other people working out, participants in the class that said we saw her. It wasn't that. It wasn't the equipment. She just let go. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't luckily a he said she said and no other witnesses. You know, which I'm sure you've seen. And right, there's always those issues. So uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, that that's a lot of gyms have gone out or hell businesses in general, right? Um, have gone out because of a lawsuit. Sure. Yeah, sure. Well, let's talk about some protection then, since you brought that up. Um, okay, we can always tell funny stories about people, right? That's, you got <laughs> you got a plethora of them, right? Right. Um, so, if you're talking to somebody who's already a chiropractor, or physical therapist, you know, they're already operating a clinic, and they go, "Hey, I want to add a gym, and it's going to share the same space." So, this isn't like a gym across town, but like it's going to share the same space. Basic, basic advice starting out. Number one, hire an attorney. Find somebody that's good, right? Right. There you go. That's yep. always first. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, you're going to want to, uh, I mean, I, and you may have talked about this. I might be duplicating what the uh, you and you told me earlier before we started that you already had a podcast with the insurance gentleman. Uh-huh. Um, Ken Reitink cer- from uh, yeah. theinsuranceguy.com, yeah. Certainly, you're going to want to uh, start with getting the right insurance, getting the right coverages. Uh, but even then, you know, I'd recommend having an attorney at that point because uh, although, you know, Ken does almost exclusively uh, – clubs and gyms, mm-hmm. um, you still want to have an attorney take a look and make sure that the exclusions don't overrun the policy. I mean, there might be exclusions in the policy. I'll give you an example with like home insurance. Uh, if you have a dog, some states, they won't let you insure a pit bull. Okay. You know, and if you miss that and you have a pit bull and a little kid comes over and gets bitten by your pit bull and you look at your insurance and say, hey, you're covering that. They'll point out that clause. Well, you know, if you don't have someone who enjoys reading those tiny words of, you know, 500 pages like I do, you you know, you can be in trouble. So mm-hmm. there's the insurance aspect. Um, 
there's the safety aspect, you know, when you're even in during the design phase is um, taking a look and seeing how it's designed. If you're going to have a wet area, if you're going to have a shower, you know, how that's going to be designed. And I know all of this sounds like it's a cost and it, and it is like, for example, I, I use uh, OSHA safety experts for different things. And I would recommend to a new club to have somebody come in during the design phase. Mm-hmm. But the money you spend up front, you know, saves you the money in the in the back of mm-hmm. being sued. Um, the other thing that I, that to, I think— To your point, by the way, Ken brought up the f- fact that, like, he was uh, helping somebody out with an insurance, cl- uh, insurance policy, and he told them they didn't realize this, but the, the insurance policy only covered within the walls of the, of the gym. Huh. Now, you think how many times we've gone outside or we've— you know, done testing outside or anything where it's like, you know, you just go outside and, and maybe we're doing rowing or something right, that we're just like, running. hey, let's go run. Yeah. And, you know, somebody's running, sprains their ankle in the parking lot. Guess what? Your insurance doesn't cover you there, you know? Right. And so he would always put in a, I don't know what you call it, an addendum. Addendum, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell you this covers people. Anybody starts in the gym and leaves and comes back, like that's considered part of the workout. Right, right. So there's 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 things to look for. It's because these slimy attorneys, man. That's they, they, right. You know, they've been screwing right. people out of money left and right. They're bloodsuckers, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> nah, but Kev's one of the good guys. But um, <laughs> the, the, And the other thing I, I think you may have talked about, probably with Ken, is about the uh, forming the different companies yeah. also. So let's talk about that. So I'll just go over our setup because you recommended it was basic silo both sides. Have it two LLCs. One is a clinic. One is a gym. Now they cohabitate space, but so what? That happens all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the difficult part. I find right. You registered the LLC with the state. You've done all that stuff. You're insured separately, right? There's a malpractice or general liability. Yeah, you definitely, for, definitely need to separate insurance for sure because one's for medical and one's for general liability. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so it has all that. Any other structures to legally set up, establish the business with? Well. You, it gets complicated, and I'm sure any person listening— That's code for— Yeah. It's going to start costing a lot of money here. Any person listening uh, knows that, you know, it's not easy running running something that's two things at once, basically. Uh But uh, commingling funds, I mean, you want to be careful because— if there, if you have other people that are in your LLC, like, uh-huh. let's say you, you or a partnership, whatever you're going to do, and you have other members, and there's a lawsuit later on, and there's a lot of assets in one of the LLCs but not in the other, um, you know, then you got to watch out for that too. So you you want to be careful about commingling funds between the two different companies. Okay. Um, so it might be worth even talking to your accountant. Hey, I'm adding this gym. Right. Here's how we're setting it up, but that may affect the way of the corporate structure. On the clinic side, if it was originally a professional corporation providing services for a, you know, pass through, blah blah blah, right? That's all got to jive, right? Right. And the biggest, uh, I, I know that in dealing with with the uh, club that you were at, that the biggest concern that that I always had was um, advertising that it was a physician run club, physician supervised, physician fitness was supervised, our original marketing fitness. Ploy. yeah, yeah, um, because. At your club, not to beat up on you on your own show, but on your club, not every class was taught by a physician. Right. So if someone were to come in and get injured during a uh, uh, during one of the training sessions, and it wasn't a physician that was running it, that perhaps wouldn't have had somebody do something the same way. You know, you got two problems. Not only were they injured, but then they're going to say that there was a misrepresentation. So you really have to think. These are two separate businesses. They're two uh-huh. separate entities. And we, before we started, you and I were talking about, um, you know, when you're done with your clinic and if you're going to come teach a class, uh, you know, you kind of got to take your lab coat off, so to speak, and put on your gym clothes and mm-hmm. you, you switch hats. I mean, that doesn't mean that if someone's injured uh, during one of your classes, you're going to turn a blind eye and not help them, but it's separate. I mean, you're a trainer at that point. You just have more qualifications than other trainers. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And more student debt, of course. Yeah, more student debt. That's yeah. right. <laughs> okay. So how do we actually pull that off? Like, I mean, that's great to say in all regards, but how do we how do we go about doing that? Uh, when you say take off your lab coat, like you always coach me up, like literally change your clothes. So right. I'm not wearing the clinic logo on my shirt when I'm coaching because then I'm, 
it's not that you're breaking the seal, but you're asking for trouble, right? You're blending right. it too much. Right. So what would you, besides like physically change your clothes? And, and it's like easy, like put on a polo and, and shorts. Like you would never work in the clinic in shorts and running shoes, you know? So right. do that. And well, I would always throw on a hat, like, because I'd never wear a hat in a clinic, right? Right. Uh, but, you know, obviously it isn't just about clothes. You, um, you want to be careful not to mix treating and, uh, you know, being a trainer. Uh, and especially, you know, if you have that talent, for example, the, uh, chiropractor, if, if you, um, are very good with adjustments, you know, very good with helping people out with back issues. Um, if someone, again, if it's an emergency and someone's injured, I, I mean, if someone was injured on the street, you would probably stop and help them, but that's a different story. But, uh, if you get someone in your session, training session, who says, Hey, you know my neck's a little stiff. Can you can you crack it before and you adjust it before we uh, have this uh, session? You know you kind of got to say no. Um, you know, but I'd be happy to take you in for an appointment. Uh, you know, after or in in the next few days. Or you know, you say, look, if you're if you're hurting, you know, if it's really limiting you, you shouldn't. I would advise as a trainer, not even as a physician, not to go through with the session and come to me. Uh, you know, in the clinic, and we'll see if, you know, how you do. Right. So don't just lay them down as they're, everybody's on foam rollers, and I go, oh, uh, Susie here, lay down, and let me just crack, crack, and now you're good, because now I've acted as a doctor on the the floor, right? And I'm sure that's easier said than done, especially for people who, um, if they work out too hard, and they need to see a chiropractor, uh, for, I mean, I'm not a businessman, but from a business standpoint, you certainly don't want it to seem like you're you're making people work out harder than they should, so that you'll get more chiropractic creating, work. Yeah, creating more patience here, huh? Right, right. Oh, I mean, uh, you should add some more to that deadlift, buddy. <laughs> right. That's a you pansy. Come on. Right, but you 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 definitely need to separate it out. Okay. Um, the the other thing that came up, and you know, hopefully for everyone that's listening, it won't come up with them, is the person that's injured. And you think that they may end up bringing a suit or a claim, mm-hmm. and they want to treat with you, even though they're going to bring a suit or a claim. So, because so the this average- is somebody, um, I fell off, um, you know, I fell off this. Bo- let's just say box. I'm doing box jumps at your gym under your workout. Yeah, fall on my back, jack up my neck, got a lot of pain, and I'm making some statements about. Well, forget. They don't even have to make statements. And they go, hey, I. Oh, man, I really injured myself. I can't work out. I'm in a lot of pain, uh, but I want to do my treatments through you. What What do you think? Right, and that's when uh, that's when you politely say it's a it's a conflict. Okay, and and the reason it's a conflict, and you know it's a tough decision, especially if it's a good patient, yeah. a good client that's been around forever. But you know, I can foresee. Let's say let's take that scenario a step further. You're treating the person, and two weeks in. In your notes, it says, uh, you know, 100%, you know, this person can be released and the person doesn't think they're 100%. Well, now they're going to say, well, sure, you said 100% because, you know, it helps your case. It helps the defense case. And it's just, it's not, it's not good practice. There's no objectivity there to say, right, this is my medical opinion. Yeah. It has absolutely nothing to do with my business opinion and absolutely nothing to do Mm -hmm. with me as a trainer, right? Yeah. It, it, complicates things. I mean, even if the person wants to come back and work out, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little bit complicated, but... So you just say, it's a conflict. You got to get a release from another doctor. Yeah. Right? Right. Okay. Uh, for sure. From a, from another doctor letting you letting you know that it's okay for them to uh, for them to proceed. Okay. And, and you know, I, I know that sometimes we're real nitpicky, but that's what we're paid to do. But you don't want just a general release. If, let's say the person broke their wrist... Uh, you know, you want the release to say the wrist is well enough that they uh, only have to return PRN, they only have to return as needed, okay. and uh, they can work out. Or if there are limitations, you know, then it's your job as part of the trainer to know that, you know, this person can't do kettlebells, but they mm-hmm. could do, you know, other way. They can do the TRX or something like that. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments and missing out on quality time with your family? You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. 
Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. Visit clinicgymhybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's clinicgymhybrid.com. You know, hopefully these clinicians aren't just teaching all the classes themselves and they're in fact going to hire some trainers, right? Give them a little break and maybe a vacation at some point in their life, for God's sakes. <laughs> but uh, so they hire some trainers and uh, what are some things that, uh, some conversations, some training, some ideas that you think that every physicians should share with their trainers? Well, I mean, I wouldn't just... Because we would have those, you would do those in-services for us and kind of direct that. And I wouldn't limit it to physicians. I mean, if I would limit it to any owner of a club, but in this instance, I know we're talking about blending, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, medical practice with a club. Um, It's important that trainers um, give instruction. I always tell trainers, I don't care if there's one person in your class and that person's taken the class 800 times, you need to show them before each different move. A demonstration of exercise. You have to demonstrate the exercise because you just you don't want to have the one time that you didn't demonstrate it where there was the injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have to always offer modifications. Um, and that's after you've asked, hey, does anyone have any issues? Does anyone have any problems I should know about? Now... If you have a class of 50, you know, if you're if you're a bigger place, I know sure. that's much more difficult. But if you have a class of 50, frankly, I, I think there should be two trainers in the room, but, you know, a lot of places won't pay for that. But you're always spending money, man. There Put you more go. trainers there, in the room. There you go. Bump that payroll up, get an OSHA expert to go. <laughs> comment on my 1,000-square-foot facility here. Right. Jesus, man, come on. But modifications are— uh, But this could just be as simple, just to put this in gym terms. I got everybody yeah. foam rolling to start the class. Right. And I'm going, hey, how's everybody doing? Oh, high fives. It's great to see you. Thank you very much for coming down. Hey, is anybody dealing with anything we need to know about? Anybody got sure. pain or blah, blah? And as long as I just get in the habit of saying that in the beginning, it's up to those people to go, you know what? I twisted my ankle the other day, so I don't think I'll be doing box jumps. I won't be jumping. Right. I won't be jumping rope. I won't be running, right? Right. And and the, the word habit, it's good to use that word because in the legal... That's trained, baby. I, I've been go. trained by the best. There you go. In the legal field, even if something isn't in writing... Um, at trial, if you can establish that something is a true habit, for example, just the one you gave, every time for the last 15 years when I start a class, I always ask if everyone's okay. And that would come into evidence, whether or not you've made a check in a box or something that that would be mm-hmm. allowed. So it's good if it's a habit and you make it a habit and you tell your people, always ask how everyone's doing. Always show how the exercise is done and always, always. The, the biggest thing I've come across is modifications. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, there are some trainers who are more gung-ho than others and they tell people, oh, you can do it. I know you can do it. And, you know, sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's not. But most trainers know their people and know what their limits are. Um, but we, we see these people like, I mean, the the big, beautiful gym that you and I attend, like the guy's got some... 45-year-old chick that's two weeks into her new workout program. Hasn't worked out in 15 years. She's on a BOSU doing (laughs) overhead barbell press with way more weight than she can handle. Yeah. And he's encouraging her. And it's like, dude, what what are you doing here? Like, that's that's a a stupid exercise, but it's hard as hell. She's brand new. She doesn't have a lot of strength. And what are you doing? Yeah. And it's like, you got to think through this. And like, Mm -hmm. because the only thing that's going to happen is she gets injured, right? Right, right. Yeah. You, You really have to think through who's in your class and... You know what their what their limitations, if any, are. Again, you know it sounds a lot simpler than it is, especially if you have twenty, thirty in a class, maybe mm-hmm. more. But um, that's why you offer modifications. I mean, okay. if you have a class, let's say you have a class of fifty, and mm-hmm. you don't have time to go around to each person or even groups of people and say how is how is everyone doing. Um, a good trainer will always have like a three, usually three levels mm-hmm. of each thing. I'm of course not like jumping jacks or something like that, something that's very simple, mm-hmm. but especially if you're using weights or whatnot. But, uh, okay, I've perfect. always heard for in big classes, um, the good trainers are always say, all right, listen, if you're what we'd call a beginner, level one, you're, you're only going to use five pounds. If you're pretty mm-hmm. comfortable with this, 10, and uh, you know, if you've been doing this for a while, 15. I'll do you one know, that you whatever. always would engage with. Yeah. Hey, the, the highest people are doing kettlebell, one-handed kettlebell swings. Middle row doing two-handed kettlebell swings or standard kettlebell swing. 
And the beginners were just going to have you do kettlebell deadlifts, right? Right. Now you're a nervous Nelly about your back, so you would just, even though you're advanced in in knowledge, mm-hmm. you're still like, hey, with my back, I'm going to stick with this beginner level on this exercise. Now it goes to push-ups, you'll progress the hell out of them, right? But on that specific one, sure. you always did that because we offered that as an as an option, right? Right. And and uh, even so, the color the corollary in small groups, a good trainer will offer modifications that work the same muscles so that the person doesn't feel left out. There's a number of trainers that I know that, um, let's say they can't do, let's say a person can't do the um, kettlebell lifts or, or, um, I'm sorry, kettlebell deadlifts. Uh, Maybe they're sore. Maybe they don't have the muscle to do it. And you give them a uh, PVC pipe so just just, they can do hip hinges. Mm -hmm. So they're still working some of the same muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not feeling left out. And you're not risking pushing someone too far, too mm-hmm. hard. Um, and from the, a training perspective, just as a little aside, it also gets everybody doing the same kind of movement. Meaning, if I say, this guy's doing kettlebell swings, that guy's doing walking lunges. Well, now I have somebody walking in between my workout, you know, like doing walking lunges <laughs> where everybody else is stationary, but swinging a weight. You have to think about those things because that becomes a legal, a risk, you know, like right. if it's one thing, if everybody's sled pushes, pushing the sled the same way, but I don't want to say like, oh, don't do sled pushes, just do jumping jacks. And then you're in the middle of the turf doing jumping jacks as there's sleds going right by your ankles. <laughs> like, but people do that. Like your modification should work in your, in your logistical setup as well, which is not always easy to do. Right. But if I can't do deadlifts, maybe I go PVC pipe. Okay. I'm still standing there, both feet on the ground and I can't do that. Okay. Maybe I do glute bridges. I'm just laying in the same space. I would have stood, but it, it keeps that organization to your class the same. And this is, you know, part of that is just experience, which is, it's Latin for screwing it up a thousand right. times and learning from it, you know, but right. um, so that's and the point. The other thing I, I tell a lot of the trainers is uh, something you wouldn't necessarily hear in this, in this arena, but uh, I tell them no means no. <laughs> if, uh, you know, if you have a client, if you have a patron that says, look, I, I can't do that. And then you say, you know, I've seen you do even more. You just don't realize it. Maybe you should try. And they say, look, I, I just can't. You got to stop because if they don't have the confidence in doing it, even if you know that they can do it and then they hurt themselves, then you're in trouble. Because, you got no leg to stand on. Right. You're the one that forced, on quote unquote, ball, forced them to do it. Yeah. So, and you know, if a person doesn't have that confidence, that's, you know, that's fine. And that's part of your job as a trainer to give them that confidence, but it's not your job as a trainer to push them such that they're going to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not even a legal standpoint, but from a legal standpoint, if they get hurt, that's the first thing they're going to say is, well, I wouldn't have done it if, if so-and-so didn't push me. Yeah. You know, and that happens too. The, the other thing, you know, we're talking about setting up I want to make sure before we're done I, that we definitely mention uh, waivers um, because that's okay. that's yeah. hugely important is okay. is to ensure that you have a liability waiver. And I know a lot of people will get one from their buddy and or they'll they'll find one, but you're always going to want an attorney to take a look at it because every place is a little different. You know, let's say your gym uh, has uh, a very dangerous something like the climbing wall, like you see on the American Ninja or whatever, you know, um, if you were my client and everything else was just normal, you know, dead, you know, deadlifts and weights Mm -hmm. and this and that, but there was that climbing wall in my waiver, I would put including, but not limited to the climbing wall. You know, you want to, you want to make things specific for you. Um, and you want to make sure that everyone's signing them. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of clubs that maybe someone comes in as a guest and uh, they they say, oh, you know what? I work out all the time. Don't worry about it. And you see the person at the club take their money for a guest pass or whatever it is and then not uh, have them sign anything. I mean, that's the time. It's always the time when you don't do the right thing is when someone gets hurt. Yeah. So, well, the- another common one is, you know, you bring in your, your brother and, and, uh, and he thinks we're going to market to him, you know, and he's like, oh, I don't even live here. I don't want, you know, you know, I don't want your marketing crap. So when I say like, hey, can you sign this waiver? They do that wavy line thing that is not really their signature and, and not, they don't put their name legibly and they don't put a date on there. And nobody looks because we just hand them a piece of paper, they hand it back. And we think, oh, that's good. Right. 
but it's not legible. Therefore, if anything happened, like it, we're hosed because we, do you have a waiver? Well, if I go tell my girl, Hey, uh, pull the waivers for whatever. And it's like, what, what was the person's last name? Oh, the person's last name was Smith. And she, well, it doesn't look like Smith. I mean, it looks like chicken scratch, you know, but yeah. is this it now? We don't know. It might be, but I, I don't know if it is, you know, like, right. and we got to check those things to go, Hey, listen, like, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. Like <laughs> it's gotta be like, you don't step onto the floor without a signed waiver. Right. You know, even if you have to tell a person, listen, we're not going to market to you. We're not going to send you emails. Uh, right. But we have to have the signed waiver and I have to be able to read it. You know, and uh, sometimes it'll be like, they'll, they'll just sign the bottom and they won't date it. They won't put their name. I comma blank. You know, they won't right. fill their name at the top. Right. And they're just like, ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. And you feel like a jerk as a business owner going, no, I mean, like mm-hmm. I need you to sign this. But again, I, it's that habit thing, you know? Yeah. And, and I always, I tell my clients, I say, you know what? Blame it on me. Blame it on the stupid attorneys. Blame it on the stupid insurance so companies. Everybody out there can say, yeah, Kevin Diamond right. listen, is a guy and is an attorney in Vegas and he made me do this. Right. Yeah. I mean, blame it on, blame it on the, blame it on the insurance companies, blame it on the attorneys, but always have them sign it. And it actually strengthens the waiver if you explain it as they're signing it. And that way you can watch that they're signing it and explaining it. Now, I don't mean you have to give a four-hour course on it, but you, it's it's a good thing, a good habit, whoever's checking the person in, whoever's sold them the membership to say, look, just want you to know you're signing something indicating that, you know, if you get injured here, you can't sue us. Just just want you to know that that, you know, is what You can always says. tell a place that's been in a lawsuit because the girl is, not the girl, but the person at the front desk is going, they have like a red colored pen and you have a blue pen and they're doing brackets. They go, this says that we will be doing training with kettlebells and other heavy implements. This next section says we may be running. Right. This next section says that, you know, we may be doing pull-ups. Mm. Basically, I always look at that and I go, the only reason she's doing that is because she's trying to get both colors of ink on there so that she can go back and say, right. I went over it with Mr. Diamond. Obviously, here are my yeah. pen marks. That's usually a place that's right. uh, they're not doing that because their attorney did not tell them to, right? <laughs> right. And, and you know, you want to give them time. You always want to say, uh, you know, if you need a second to read this, go ahead. But don't let them say, you know what, let me sign it. I'll sign it when I'm done. You know, I'm a member Let me now. take it home and look over it and let I'll bring it back. Let me take it home. Yeah, no. Yeah. That, that, if they want to take it home, then, you can take you know, their gym clothes say, home too as well. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take your gym clothes with you. Yeah. <laughs> Come back tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Well, how about strengthening on that on that uh, waivers and contracts? So let's say you got somebody on a high end membership. We saw this a couple times, but um, you know sometimes people go like uh, they'll they'll come in seven months later and go, oh, uh, I didn't know I was paying. Yeah, I didn't know what the amount was for my membership. Which I was like, how could you not know what you're you know like right? And and it's not the first bill. It's like the seventh or ninth or twelfth. And I remember going, oh, this, I know what this is. This is the spouse getting pissed, right? Like that's that's obviously the code here, yeah, right? Paying so and the person's not coming. Yeah, and, yeah. And so they come in, and we had, we had a woman, and she was like, "I didn't know it was this much." Are there tips you have for people to sign them up, do the whole process, and then maybe give a you know cooling off period or anything like that that goes, "Hey, when they sign that other time, like it's it's as good as in stone." Right. Well, there's a um, if I remember correctly, I think there's a there's a three day uh, period. Okay. And I'm not sure if there's a statute about it. I think there is because is that just here in Nevada. Yeah, or is Nevada. That... But most states have a what we, what I guess you can call a cooling off period. Okay. Where um, you have a few days, and most states it's three, and I believe it's three here in Nevada to um, you know renege, so to speak. And uh, the reason being is because most places will um, have you sign up for auto pay. Okay. And auto pay. Um, you always, I think, I think it's mandatory and I know it's statutory here in Nevada to give them that grace period of about three days to be able to cancel on the auto pay. Because obviously once it starts, it, you know, it just keeps coming out automatically. That's why it's auto pay. And it's, yeah. And it's bank draft, which is harder, uh, contractually a higher level than even a credit card, um, whatever you want to say, EFT is the highest level of compliance that you can have. Right. Because we had to go through this with our billing company. They're like, you know, make you sign on this crap right. and cross deposit and all this stuff. But if you're talking about somebody who um, signs up for auto pay, they, the three days went by, they, uh, you know, they signed it and they've been a member now for months and now they're not, all their, they took all their money out of their bank account, that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're not paying. I didn't know it was, 
you know, 400 bucks a month yeah. and, and, you know, blah, yeah. blah. How do you get at, uh, legally? So collections, collections is a whole other animal, but. Uh, Before it goes to collections, just basically saying like. No, no, no. I mean. Yeah, go ahead. Tra- you trying to collect. Okay. So as a, as a business owner, you know, I, I see collections in, in stages. You know, the, the first stage is the uh, nice letter. Even if I get hired to do collections, I always have clients send the first letter themselves. Okay. Because if you if you sick the attorney on them first, you know you might the ruin wall a, goes up. Yeah, you might ruin a relationship that maybe somebody just forgot or you know whatever. Um, and you you know I, I always say the first letter is the nice letter. Hey, you know you owe this. You know please make sure you pay it. Um, the second letter or the, you know or after the phone call, it's usually have the client send the letter, try to make the phone call, and then the next letter is from the attorney that says um, you owe this and. That's my third stage is not threatening anything just because it's from an attorney. Some people then yeah. will pay. And then the fourth letter is the one that says, if you don't pay this, we're filing suit uh-huh. and we're going to try to collect our f- attorney's fees and costs, which will make this even more money that you owe. And, you know, and then sometimes you got to actually file suit. And it's very rare. Yeah. And uh, the, people it, will Especially in this micro gym world where people are coming in all the time. Yeah. They want to be a member. They want yeah. to participate and whatnot. And we never really had a. Although I would co- caution, I would, and I apologize for interrupting, but I would caution if you, if you have somebody who's been a longtime member and you want to work a deal with them, let's say they're, they're, they've owed for six months and you know, let's say they're down 500 bucks or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they want to do a payment plan. You know, things are tough now. My, their business is this or that. Um, I still would reduce the payment plan to something in writing. Um, you just don't want to keep things informal when it comes to that because, yeah. you know, you want to be sure that yeah, you we, can later on. It's funny you mention that. So we had a, a woman that was working out with us and we were charging 200 bucks a month. She's like, hey, I lost my, you know, lost my job, blah, blah, blah. I got laid off. Um, and we, I said, all right, listen, come in. I'll do it for 99 bucks a month, you know, as long as you can. And then when mm. you get a new job, uh, you know, re-up it. And this is a systems problem. This was not her fault, but well, we're charging her 99 bucks a month. She gets a job three months later, uh, forgets to mention that she's still on the reduced payment plan. It's so <laughs> like a year and a half later, we realized, man, she's been paying 99 bucks forever. And she's, you know, traveling to Europe. She's doing all this stuff. And we're like, and, and, but, you know, we didn't go line item by line item review who's on our reduced things. We should have, you know. Right. And so, uh, you know, we lost 100 bucks, an, an additional 100 bucks times. 12 or 14 months, so 1400 bucks. That, right, that's, that's a lot of money, especially yeah. for a mom and pop place. For right, sure. yeah, yeah, that, that wouldn't be bad, you know, to pay that's two months of power out here, you right? Know? <laughs> right, yeah, right. So, I mean, it's, it's just about keeping track, and and I'm sure uh, people that are listening probably already have a headache with all the things that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and, uh, I'm the fun, I, I suck the fun out of uh, out right. of your business, but uh, I, I'm the first to tell you that. You're better off uh, getting a little bit of a headache doing it beforehand than getting sued uh, later. Mm-hmm. Just how it is. Yeah, and that's from a guy who makes a lot of money when people sue. Like right. you got to realize, like <laughs> he has a financial incentive for more lawsuits. But that's Kevin's right. such a good guy; he doesn't want you to get sued. That's right. I don't yeah. want you to be sued. And you like as an attorney having uh, having the basis to go, hey, you go pound sand. This, you know, my client's right. You're wrong. Yeah, hit the bricks. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You want to. The more prepared you are, the better. Just it's just like anything. Yeah. You know? Now you would do a great service for us, and and I hope everybody can get such a great attorney. But like you'd come in, you you participated in our classes, so you kind of knew what we did. But even then, we had that. I, I remember the one in service where you you sat us all down and said, "Here's some things you guys are doing great. Here are some suggestions." Um, and I don't know if most attorneys would do that, but certainly well, I, I think it'd be worth it to bring in your attorney and say, "Listen, we're doing blah blah blah." It's kind of like a review of symptoms, you know, a review of systems when when you're making a diagnosis on a on an injury, but just saying like, you know, are we? Right. Let me show you my waiver. So you're saying, show them the waiver. Here's our contract for billing. Um, You know, here's what we have people do. Are we in the right place here? I think most. I mean, if it's an attorney who uh, wants the work um, to put in an hour, you know, or hour and a half at your club to just go over things. Most attorneys should do that. Uh-huh. If you're going to pay them to be, you know, your counsel, they're going to want to be familiar with how you do things anyway. 
And uh, they should do that free of charge, um, you know, just to meet everybody and just mm-hmm. to take a look around and and kind of tell mm-hmm. tell people what they should be looking out for. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. it never hurts, that's for sure. Right. Uh, and the other thing is like when, like you would always say like, oh, if anything happens, just document it. That, I remember we had this discussion, but like sometimes that seems intimidating. Like, oh man, I've got to do this incident report and all this. But you said, just take out your iPhone and record a quick video of like, here's what she was standing on. Here's the bar she was holding, you know, and it, you know, it's time stamps, it's date stamps. Just explain right. what happened. Figuring out who the witnesses and were, it, yeah, who was and there. bam, I've got it. Like literally two minutes on my iPhone. Hell, you do more selfie videos on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook, right? And it's easier than that, but at least then I have something. Right. And then to alert the the manager, de facto owner, manager, whatever you want, and say and the insurance company. Right. This occurred. Yeah. Tell the insurance company, here's what occurred. Send them the information. And right. a lot of times we probably had three or four things that just that's all that that's where it ended. Right. We sent the information off. Hey, I'm worried about this. Person came back three days later, no problem. Right. Well, and and in almost every insurance policy in almost every state, um, you know, you have an obligation to report incidents, report claims when they happen. Uh, so some insurance agents will look at you and roll their eyes and say, I'm sorry, the person broke their pinky toe and you're telling me about it, but right, well, that's you know, the tough you're, thing to know. you're saying, you know, you're, I would say to that insurance agent, Hey, I would rather tell you too much right. than not tell you and then get my coverage denied. Right. But I mean, so, in a gym, it's especially tough because like, I mean, to some point, let's say somebody strains their back deadlifting, right? Right. Okay. Is that, a reportable injury? Is that just part of the game? Because there are a lot of places that go, that's just part of the game. Well, we're this higher level, you know, functional training gym that should never happen. Yeah. Did I make the right modifications? Did I I show I demonstrated all this and I just go, oh, that's just Kevin. He just he always pushes it too hard. <laughs> right. And that well, that certainly is a judgment call. Uh, yeah. There there will be some on the fence. Right. But it's always it, it never hurts. But to, but I think that the important thing is, especially to the owner of, of the thing set the precedent that you report. Like almost if you could get a fake report for everybody to happen, you know, like <laughs> at least they're comfortable with how it works. I whip out my iPhone, I film it, I send it off, I, I alert the the owner who alerts the insurance company and we follow up, right? Right, right. And even if it goes, hey, dude, you did the right thing, it just it's not even an issue, that's better than the opposite, which is, oh, I forgot to tell you. Right. Like I was really happy. One of our trainers one time called me and said, uh, it was like 8.30 at night. I go, what, what's, you know, why are you calling me? He's like, uh, I want to tell you that I was loading up weights and a weight came off the barbell and it hit the ground, it rolled and it hit so-and-so in the leg and hmm. blah, blah, blah. And uh, it wasn't an issue. It was like, a non- is she okay? Yeah, she complained about pain. No. What happened? It, like it literally fell off like a wheel. So a 45-pound bumper plate, you know, right. and it just like rolled towards her and hit her in the shin. Right. And it was just a like a event more than it was an injury. She didn't have a problem. He didn't, you know, he didn't think it was an issue, but he's just, I just wanted to let you know. And it's like, right on. We're well, in the right those, place then. That's funny because those are the type of things uh, you'd be surprised at how many people that bring a claim would not have brought a claim had the premises owner here, the the club, the gym, um, just asked how they're doing, maybe called the next night. You don't need to offer things. You don't, you don't, you don't need to pay for uh, you know, bring them out to dinner or something. But if you show you care, sometimes that makes a big difference. I mean, when I do work for hotels, um, I hear all the time, you know, if they would have just offered me a free buffet or whatever it is, um, it's it's the follow-up and it's yeah. showing that you care it's about like- them. But th- I can tell you that if you ignore it, so let's say someone gets hurt and the trainer just says, ah, oh, you're fine. And no one calls, no one follows up, and then you hear that the person is actually in the hospital. No one even calls to say, "Hey, how are you doing? Sorry, this happened." You don't need to admit that you did something wrong, but you can say, "I'm sorry, you're injured." Mm-hmm. Um, that goes a long way. That's not legal, you know. That's just to me, that's just common sense. But it could prevent a claim. Well, it's it's like you coached me up on malpractice as well. Like malpractice rarely is brought up because of the malpractice, right? Like, hey, I did this wrong and I did the wrong treatment. I did the wrong diagnosis, all this. That's rarely the reason that the cases, the suit is brought, right? It's usually that guy was a jerk. Right. Or he was, About he was personalities, an yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, if it was down to like, did you, excuse me real quick. <coughs> if it was the wrong medical diagnosis, that 
happens way more often than there are malpractice suits, right? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes you have to fall on your sword. If you, if you know that you did something wrong and if you're nice about it, uh, you know, sometimes you can prevent the claim. I mean, not always. Um, and it's my job to tell people, you know, don't ever admit fault. You know, you were always supposed to say that, but at the very least, you can say, I'm sorry it happened. And acknowledge something happened. Right. Yeah. Hey, you did fall. Yeah. I mean, the lady who tripped over at the, you know, we talked at the start about the lady who tripped over the uh, uh, noodles by the pool. I mean, she was injured. I mean, the, mm-hmm. there's no question. And we were sorry that she was injured. And mm-hmm. I'll but, admit it. You hate old ladies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. The older, I hate them. Uh, you know, we, uh, uh, you acknowledge it. You say you're sorry, you know, but that's it. You stop yeah. there. But sometimes that goes a long, long way for yeah. people. So, well, that little conversation right there uh, would be fantastic for everybody listening, your attorney to have with your staff. So sit everybody down, buy them a sandwich if you have to, and just have your attorney come in and talk. Because just knowing that language, hey, don't say this, but do say this, can go a long way, right? Right. I agree. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing here. But anyways... All right, Kevin. Well, this has been a, a great, a lot of information. I hope people uh, are not uh, in the fetal position crying about all the money they'll need to spend <laughs> on the front end. Right. But well, I think you did provide some great info. Well, let me give a tiny plug that uh, if by chance you have any other questions, even if you're from another state, please feel free to give me a call. Uh, our law firm's website is thorndall.com. It's T H O R N. DAL.com, and you'll find my pretty picture, Kevin Diamond, on the website. And uh, feel free to give me a call at any time. Uh, if I'll tell you, you what, need we'll some put help. that in the show notes, a link in the show notes for everybody. Um, so they can they can reach out to you and maybe they can just say, Hey, I heard you on this podcast. Uh, I got a couple of questions. And oh, if, there are people actually listening. There's three of them. <laughs> I mean, you know, my brother, my sister, and I got one other guy in Tennessee. I think he's pretty hot on it. But uh, but they can reach out if they have any questions. And at least you could do is maybe you can refer to them or help them find somebody in their area. Sure, huh? sure. Yeah. Right. Very cool. All right. Well, Kevin, on behalf of uh, everyone listening, I want to say thank you. And uh, on behalf of Clinic Gym Radio, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying go out there. Maximize your license and live the life you dreamt of. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.